Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a Social Media Examiner production. I'm Eric Fitcher. My co-host is Grace Duffy. And this is the show for marketers looking to stay on the leading edge of social media. We bring you expert opinions about relevant social media news and how it impacts you. Instagram has added horizontal video support to IGTV. And on today's show, we're going to explore how this will affect the Instagram platform as well as other video news for marketers. And we will be talking with Luria Petrucci and David Foster. Just as a reminder, everything we talk about in this episode, all the links, the details, the notes, they'll all be in the Saturday post from Social Media Examiner, which you can find at socialmediaexaminer.com slash news. Let's introduce our guests. So Luria Petrucci and David Foster are the live streaming pros, and they can make you one too. They also have a brand new podcast called Create Live, which you can find at anchor.fm slash create live. And that's C-R-E-8 live. And welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, both of you. Great to see you again. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Good you. to be here again. Hello. It's always fun. You brought both of us at the same time. That's a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> we had so much news to cover. We needed like... Double trouble. We needed double <laughs> coverage here. <laughs> That's what you got. <laughs> I don't know what got me thinking that it was a good idea, but let's just run with it. <laughs> well, Ali said I missed the t-shirt memo today. Yes, we're but we're t-shirt buddies today. <laughs> Luria and I are both wearing the I Go Live shirt, which you guys provide, by the way. So uh let's jump into this. So IGTV, this has been out for just under a year. June, what was it, 20th? June 20th of 2018 was when it launched. And so we're coming up on its one year anniversary, its birthday. And I was recently talking with people on our social platforms, asking them about their usage of IGTV. And if this new change of them adding landscape video uh, capability to it was going to change anything for them. But before we get into that, I want to do uh, honestly, just a brief recap of what the, the the baby's milestones have been in this past year, when it rolled out, what it was, maybe even your first impressions. Let's start there, actually. So when this first rolled out last year and it was all vertical video and it was on Instagram only, what was your first impressions, both of you? So my first impression, I, I so I really liked the fact that they were pulling out portrait video because for me, I liked seeing what some people were doing with it, like uh, Jesse Driftwood and people like that, how they were taking that portrait mode video and making a real story out of it. But I quickly realized after going into the app several times that once you saw something from someone you knew, it promoted, it showed you a bunch of stuff that I didn't want to see 
And I couldn't find like the discovery process was not good at all. So it probably lasted a week for me uh, of actually like trying to make some content for it and trying to figure it out before I was like, I just don't get it. Uh, like the discovery process. So I, I fell off of it very quickly just because of that experience. We actually attempted to create vertical video in a manner that you would actually take care with a horizontal video, right? So like we, we tried to frame it right. We tried to do the graphics correct. We tried to do some creative like double camera shots kind of up and down in a vertical mode. Like we tried to kind of go there and it was so hard, right? <laughs> From a creator perspective, it's so hard to actually create in vertical video. And it was just a bigger, more difficult process to actually fit into the platform. Um, with stories and everything, it's a lot easier. But with actual IGTV video, it's a lot harder. So it, we, we had mixed feelings about it for sure. Yeah. So I kind of felt the same way. Like I, I jumped in and was like, okay, this is interesting. This feels like, yeah. th this is like if YouTube and Instagram stories had a baby, but it's almost not, neither one of them at the same time. Right. Yeah. It's like, and, and like you were saying, the pains of creating, not highly produced, but at least produced to mm -hmm. a quality that you're, you want to strive for really be difficult for that platform. Well, and and just to say my, my argument for that was how we could uh, embrace that portrait video is because Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram all support portrait video. So I was like, well, why don't we start being portrait video creators? Because that, that's going to be a thing. Uh, and, you know, we quickly realized that it's harder than you would think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's walk through, let's walk through then from that launch through to now really quickly. Some of the things that Instagram has been doing over time to get us to say, maybe take notice of their baby, this IGTV baby. So first off in September 2018, so a full three, four months later after they'd launched it, they started to have IGTV notifications start to appear uh, above the stories bar in the Instagram app. And that was okay. It was like, oh, cool. Somebody I know, somebody I'm following on stories, they have an IGTV video. And for me, that kind of hooked me in maybe once or twice. But then I kind of was like, eh, I don't know about you, but that's that's kind of what happened for me. Didn't really, mm -hmm. didn't really yeah, do the same. Same. Then in November of 2018, IGTV started to allow IGTV sharing in stories. So again, now let's, okay, well, let's hook IGTV into one of our most popular products we've got, stories, and make it so that you can have, and even more recently, they've made it to where there's like a seamless transition. Grace, well, you had, you had an experience recently that you were telling me about with this. Oh, yeah. So I was watching, uh, I guess I was in stories and I saw... Uh, someone I follow, they had an IG video, IGTV video. I didn't realize it was, I, I thought I was just following their story and it seamlessly went into IGTV. Like w there wasn't even a blip. There wasn't even a transition. Suddenly I was watching the full IGTV. So it was just this seamless transition between the two. Yeah. So, and, and that, that was curious to me to be able to, you know, be in stories and then somebody shares an IGTV video over from uh, IGTV into stories and you start watching it in stories. And then without you knowing it, you're in IGTV. I honestly think that's the only way they're going to get legs on this thing. Because like I said, once you end up in IGTV, then like the video that comes next after the person you, you wanted is always a really weird, like <laughs> out of place video for me that I'm like, how in the world am I seeing? It's like not even in English sometimes. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So the algorithm in terms of what they're serving you in IGTV is really where it's failing for you is what I mean. Yes. 
Yeah. 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 I agree. And that may be that just not enough people that we want to be watching their stuff on. Right. Is doing it there. Yeah. Yep. I only know of two people who are actually doing it on a regular basis. And that's Jasmine Starr and Gary V. And, you know, (laughs) I think that was I think it was Jasmine's video I was actually watching where. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was actually her story. And then it it was a preview into. Yeah. And she does an amazing job. I mean, she 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 really does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and another thing I noticed too is actually in the, the, the home feed or the, I don't know if they call it news feed on Instagram or whatever, but the main feed, uh, I'll see a video and it'll play part of it. Then it'll say, continue watching on IGTV. Now that also is a, a, a turnoff for me. I don't want to have to jump over. And I, do, I usually don't. Keep going with your timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that you, you actually just met reference the next thing, which is in February, yeah. they started to roll out these IGTV preview videos. It's the first minute. So you want to make sure your first minute is good in the main feed of Instagram as you're going through. So, but you're saying you've got to actually click through. Does it take you over there seamlessly? It, at all or no. It, yeah, yeah. It says finish watching on IGTV. You just click it and you're in. But the thing is, because of the experience I have, once I'm in there, I, sure. I don't like to go back in there. Well, and I don't have, like, I don't spend enough time to have a, a, a negative experience from the algorithm perspective. But remember when I was on this show and that had just happened and I yeah. was like, hey, let's see the positive here. I think this is going to be a really great thing to see IGTV in the news feed. I think it's great. I, I watch all of those previews that come through. I think it's a really easy way to see Jasmine's videos, right? But then I never click through. Not not because of the bad algorithm experience, but I just, that's another step for me. And I feel yeah. like I've gotten enough out of the video at that point that I'm never convinced to spend more time. And since Instagram is a quick, fast paced kind of activity, you're scrolling, you're moving fast. I, I feel like I, I've just never clicked through to that IGTV. Now, yeah. Trish is saying that when they started posting uh, their IGTV videos, they saw a huge boost in viewership. So maybe people are clicking through. Maybe I'm just completely lazy. Maybe it is just that IGTV is counting someone watching any or all of that one minute that's over on Instagram. Ah, uh, yeah. So, of course, you're going to see point. it late. Yeah. But does that mean there's actual hot air inside of it or not. I don't know. That's um, good point. One other We've thing. switched our metaphor. Yes. Now <laughs> it's a baby's birthday party. We're filling up the balloons. Anyway, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, we had Jim Herman on this show and we talked all about how the Instagram explore tab was adding in more IGTV to go into all that, go back to that show. However, the one main thing to take away from that is that now you can go to the explore tab in Instagram. And I was seeing a lot of people that I was following. And if they're doing any IGTV stuff, they're showing up there. And if I tap on it, by the way, I deleted the IGTV app just to make sure that this still worked. And it would play the full IGTV video inside of Instagram without taking me out of the app at all. So new status quo of some sort, I don't know. But anyway, that's not really what we're here to talk about, but that's all context to go into landscape video as of a week ago is now an option on IGTV. However, that doesn't mean that this is the first time people have been posting landscape video. Gary V has been doing it and he just has a little thing that says rotate your phone at the beginning. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, all you had to do is turn your phone and then you had landscape. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Now, see, there's the thing is like I heard from somebody as we were talking about this 
this coming out that up until this point, people posting landscape video to where it was, you had to turn it, the IGTV video preview that would come through the Instagram newsfeed was also turned. So it was like, you're you're swiping, you're swiping and it's like, huh? And that probably is the case. However, I think that a lot of people just don't utilize the feature where you can actually upload your own custom thumbnail uh, in IGTV yeah. so that it wouldn't be that way, right? Yeah. Until it started playing. All of that to say, landscape video, widescreen video, whatever you want, to, a horizontal video even. Man, there's so many names for this stuff. That's like live streaming and live video. What's your impression? Do you do you think this is going to make any difference at all? I mean, from where I'm coming from, your expressions, as well as the stuff we just went through, there's still right. to happen on this platform for it to be fully adoptable is what I'm guessing you I think if they had launched with it, it would have adopted better, to be honest. So uh, I think that, yes, now, like, I'm actually going to be taking our YouTube videos, and now we can put those on IGTV very easily without having to create for that platform. So great. Yay, another distribution platform. Will it make any difference? Who knows? I think I think it's almost too little too late, right? So I think people will throw it there. But because of the view problems and the algorithm problems, and I'm sure more people are experiencing that other than David. So, I, yeah, like you're saying, there's too much other stuff that is a problem. Mm. And so I don't think getting to that video is effective enough. But, I mean, I'll put it there to see <laughs> now that I don't have to create in in, in portrait mode anymore. Yeah, and I, th- and I think that's kind of like, I, I honestly feel that's the wrong approach because if you're <laughs> if you're creating content, it should be for a platform. Now, there's some right. platforms that are similar. Yes. But my take on the landscape is I think that they should have focused on things that matter most, most for discovery and actually getting action on that that platform because if the four of us here kind of have the same feeling... Yeah. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that a lot of people have the same feeling we do. And I think that there are people that are probably using it because they think, well, it's just a distribution platform. I'm just going to put it up there. They're not putting much thought into it uh, and everything like that. They're, they might not actually be users of the platform other than that. Like they don't watch people's stuff. They just post stuff. Yeah. So I just feel like they should have focused on something that made a difference to discovery uh, to the algorithm and and making things that make it an easy transition to go into like not not where it feels separate where it feels like it's part of Instagram yeah. not a separate thing. See, and I feel like that last update with the explore tab kind of starts to get us close to that threshold. Yeah. But again, you know, I I, I gotta wonder like Luria, you said like with repurposing or re broadcasting yeah. or whatever you want to call it that this is hey it's yet another channel. I got a lot of people saying that in the Facebook post when we were talking with them about this. And, you know, do you think we're going to see a lot more people posting their YouTube videos or even downloading their Facebook live and then uploading that to IGTV? And is that really what we want this to be? I personally wouldn't because I'm already seeing that content on YouTube and, and Facebook. The thing that I really liked about IGTV when it first launched was the fact that it took a lot of creativity to put, to make a portrait mode video. Like if you go look at Jesse Driftwood or some of the original videos, Nick Nimmin did, Uh, on IGTV, the transitions and stuff that they used and everything. It was just an amazing way to do something different. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I think that that's what IG initially when it launched had going for it. It was different. It was something that, you know, but, but we noticed that a lot of people didn't really embrace it. And I think it's because they separated it at first. If they would have launched that integrated into Instagram, the way everything else is like stories, 
I think it probably would have had more legs and done a lot better. Yeah. You're saying you, you really think that this is maybe contrary to the true nature of the platform that they originally launched. And really it wasn't that the platform itself was faulty. It's that the way that it was integrated or better yet said, not integrated into the full app was really maybe it's stumbling. point. Yeah. I, I think all they would have had to have done is increased, like just said, okay, you're creating stories already. Now you can upload videos into stories, which you already can do, but let's just increase the length of them. It's basically all it is, is an increased length of story. So you yeah. could just increase the length and have the same integration. Everything's exactly the same, not mm-hmm. no new app or anything like that. It's just, you change the length. Yeah. Well, that sounds like what they're working towards now anyway. It seems like they kind of yeah. went back and now they're moving backwards back into that where it is integrated and it is seamless, right? But yeah, because the start. thing is, if I have if I have a story to tell, if I can tell a fifth, 10, 15 second stories or combine it into one long story, what is the difference? Now, as a use case of, of kind of what you're talking about, like a, so Michael Hyatt's social team recently at his event did an amazing job with stories produced like a video, right? So it was like a video and there, but there were just individual story components to it. Um, and it was like a really fast pace, like, prom- like not promotional video, but like a, Hey, this is the excitement at this event. And it was produced extremely well. They chopped it into story bits. And I thought that was a great use case. Marissa did a fantastic mm-hmm. job at that. And so that's something else to consider is maybe instead of IGTVs, we take that approach and we chop up a video in that style and use our stories to get it seen. Talking about it and, and they do a great job. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, and that's the other, op- that's the option there is you could theoretically do both things. You could take that mm-hmm. long form story esque video and chop it and be have it be actual stories like they did, yeah. but also just take that take that exact thing and put it out there as one long form IGTV thing that's going to sit there for longer than twenty four hours in the FOMO window. Right. Well, and if you can if you can actually put a story or a yeah, IGTV now into a story, you can actually do that anyway, right? I mean, you're saying that you can uh, right. add an IGTV yeah. to a story. So you could shoot that whole thing, put it into your story the same way you would and tell, you know, because the thing is you can edit that the, the exact same way you can add all the overlays and stuff. And then you, like I said, if they just increase the length, have it so that at different sections, you can change the graphics or whatever, right. but have it be one long thing. Yeah. We have a question here from Mike Alton. He was saying that he's, he's pushing back on the idea that you have to create content for every platform. Specifically, he uses this example, do authors only write for Barnes and Nobles if they have a choice? No, I'm just, I'm saying like the format. So yeah. the, the okay. thing is like, if you're doing IGTV and, and you're just uploading a YouTube video, that's landscape, you know, or, or whatever mode and not taking it and cutting it down into portrait, which is native to the platform is all I'm saying. I'm not saying that like the same content wouldn't work. I'm saying the format like YouTube end screens, like putting those on your Facebook videos. It's a disconnect. If those right. end screens then are on your Instagram video, it's like, it makes you look lazy as a creator because then people are like, oh, they just uploaded the same video. Yeah. 
to, to hear. And it's not exclusive to that audience because there are some people on Facebook that hate YouTube. There's people on YouTube that hate Facebook and stuff like that. And you're trying to force them into that ecosystem. So when we were doing content specific for each platform, we were changing the endings. We were adding a different mm -hmm. intro. Hey, Facebook or hey, YouTube, that thing, because it, it's less personal if you just mass put out your content. Yeah, we had the same per with somebody cross posting their Instagram stories over to Facebook where they were saying, you know, hey, Instagram, da, 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 da. it's like it's on Facebook, dude. I know there's a tool out there, actually, that you upload the video and it will then through AI, like see where the action is happening in your landscape video and, you know, kind of like guide it to trim points or hmm. camera angles to where it will focus in on in vertical video to transform it and export out something that would then be able to be used. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Takes takes yeah. away your control as a creator, but <laughs> well, you can gives actually, you the lazy option for sure. Like, but that's interesting. It, it's it shows you what it suggests. You can always go in and change it. Oh, figure out where that tool is. I know I I did it months ago on Mike's podcast. So, well, let's move on from Instagram. I believe, unless there's any other questions, Grace, that are pertinent towards uh, this. No, I think we're I think we've covered all of them. Okay. Good. Well, let's move over then. So speaking of YouTube, let's move over to YouTube. There was, uh, it's not YouTube news per se, but I think that it's appropriate to talk about because it's a, a study that, um, what was it? Was it the verge, the verge, um, brought up that the trending section of the YouTube algorithm and discovery method. And they talked about how, uh, they, they did it. They did a bunch of work. They basically did a bunch of work and they basically crowdsourced or they used data from crowdsourced 40,000 videos. And long story short, they said <laughs> basically big names don't have to get as many views to get into the trending section. Whereas YouTube creators uh, that are native to the platform, they have to get so much more to get into trending. And I almost want to say first, like, would you agree that like, video creators that are looking to show up in the search or recommended videos aren't necessarily going to be counting on showing up in trending. They're looking more to, especially even marketers, like trending is for the popular or the, the, the big name stuff. They're not even trying to go to there. They're trying to be seen and found based on algorithm and search and the value they provide first. But why Well, I think that the reason that they're doing that is because they're forced to. Um, you know, cause if they would be shown, if it was a fair playing field and they would get into trending, like Philip DeFranco tries to get in trending all the time, but because, uh, he's considered controversial, like in other countries, he trends 80, 90 times, whatever. But in the U S he's trending like twice based on the same amount. Like, I think he needs like 1.4 million views or something to reach that, to, to reach into trending. So that I think that the, the fact that YouTubers have to think outside of the box and try to figure out how to beat the system because they're not uh, treated equally in the, the, um, the trending is the problem. So ultimately we wish it was more democratized, that it was more fair. Yeah. Oh, of course. Why yeah, not, because if you right? think about it, that's YouTube deciding what they think is good enough content. So it's like all of your major shows like Jimmy Fallon, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, a uh, daily show and all that, they, they need a lot less views to get into trending than creators. But if, but at the end of the day, they're not YouTube creators. They're not native to the platform. They're doing a show and it just happens to be getting repurposed over there and they're getting all the love from YouTube. Whereas it's the creators that have built that platform. They're the ones working their butts off every single week to put up videos and, and putting a lot into it. And 
for them to not be seen in the new in the trending area is kind of you know i think it's backwards thinking on youtube's part because if it wasn't for the creators there would be nobody nobody to run ads against anyway other than these mainstream shows and it all boils down to you know in the beginning of youtube and all of this this whole content creation world uh in the beginning the idea was and the attraction of this was that nobody could tell you that you can't build an audience. Nobody had the control to say you're good enough for TV. You're not good enough for TV. You had control and the audience did. Right. Right. So if we go back to that, the old days of when it all started and why we're doing this stuff in the first place, then you come back to, Oh wait, hold on. You're looking at all these trending analytics and this, the video that I'm sure you guys are linking to, is pretty impressive uh, and uh, eye-opening from that perspective. And now we're flip-flopping. Okay, so now YouTube is taking a little bit more control and showcasing these big names and down we drop, right? So from an emotional perspective as a creator, it's a big deal because you don't have the access anymore like we once did. And to take it a step further, it's like beyond trending. If I go into the live um, discovery page, all of that stuff is I, like I first see Phil, Dr. Phil. I've never watched Dr. Phil in my life. Like, <laughs> what? Why am I seeing all these big names when I want to go discover some live streamers that I would actually find interesting? Right. So right. It, it's the same trending in the live discovery is both working the same way and uh, it's very frustrating. Well, and I think too, from a, from a, a mainstream news standpoint, it's almost like YouTube is legitimizing some of these news channels that I think are, I don't trust anything <laughs> they say because they're like 100% opinion. And it's saying that they're more legitimate than somebody like Philip DeFranco, who takes a very uh, diplomatic approach to news and, and actually, you know, does some journalism So it's like they're almost like deciding the winners and losers of Hmm. what we can consume. And I don't like that. These algorithms never have me have me figured out because I don't watch that stuff. So Mm -hmm. I think it's also a dangerous thing politically because it's like they're saying this is good news. This is illegitimate news. Mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying. I definitely hear what you're saying. But then, I mean, on Facebook, like they got rid of their trending section because it just wasn't relevant. Right. right? And so, and they replaced that space with stories, by the way, but (laughs) so, you know, you know, it was about what was popular in general, but now I I think with all the changes happening with Instagram and on Facebook, the focus is always just is now on personalization, right? There's like this personalized feed when they integrated IGTV into, into the explore tab and Instagram, it was personalized to me and what I'm interested in based on what I'm, what I'm already looking at. Right. So no Dr. Mm -hmm. Phil for me either. (laughs) (laughs) So isn't that what our focus should be? Or, I mean, are we off on that? I, I think that it's the thing is like they always try to figure us out with an algorithm. Stop figuring us that out. Is never right. Like it's <laughs> it's I, I don't understand why they don't just like I, like I would say take similar tags or I, I want to see stuff that's like similar to the, what I'm already watching. It's like right. they show you stuff that's so contrasted to what mm-hmm. I like. I'm like, why are they getting this? Which tells me these <laughs> algorithms are all wrong. And it's like that now there's algorithms coming out for like crime watch with cameras and stuff. And they're going to start uh-huh. figuring out like, if you're going to, if you're going to be a criminal, it's like, 
You know, it's like, where is this going? I don't want to be, have all these algorithms and stuff because they're never right for me. I think our baby has grown up. Now it's a teenager and it's slamming the door. You don't understand me. That is in those teenage years. If you think about when it started. Are you for sure? When I saw this, uh, this article, this report, I went and said, you know what, what does trending look like for me personally? And I went to my mobile phone. I went to the desktop and then I also went to the TV because surprisingly or not, I watch a lot of YouTube on my television, especially with my as well. Yeah, Yeah, we do as well. Trending shows up differently in all three of those places. So really Mm -hmm. TV is primarily where that actually shows up, but only when it first, only when I first fire it up and then I go away from it, kind of like how you press down and then that, that row on Netflix is now no longer there. You know, the, the, the rare, Comedic comedy horror, whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, it's all true crime over there. Anyway, don't worry yeah. about it. It's all true crime. <laughs> but what was funny was uh, I did a search for uh, corgi breeding here in Indiana two days ago, and then on YouTube it shows it suddenly showed me like corgi racing, which was hilarious because we all sat down in my family and watched it last night. But. <laughs> So I guess what I'm here to say is I'm not paying attention to trending per se. It's more the algorithm serving me up stuff. That's like what you guys are doing. You guys are in there. Like what I'm subscribed to, which is you guys Mm -hmm. as well as a few other specific channels. And then what I'm actually watching. And then also now, obviously what I'm searching for online, which is more scary to me be honest. Well, I think that the difference is kind of like what you're talking about, the discovery process for similar stuff, related content is based on your viewing habits or it tries to be as much as possible. And trending is what YouTube, what YouTube thinks you should be watching. That's more uh, moderated by them. Like they have some algorithm that, that is set to decide what they think based on. And I don't even think it's based on what you watch, I think it's just based on what they want to get legs on for yeah. the ad dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all about ad money, really. So as an advertiser, wouldn't you say that this benefits you? Because then if you're advertising against that content, it's being seen by more people. But is it being seen by the right people? Right. And that's the thing. I, I hate the fact that they because like they're in the video that you're talking about here, mm-hmm. they actually show that some creators have this have similar content, you know, they might swear a little bit or something like that, but they're doing that also on the shows like, um, you know, the, the like mean show. tweets and stuff like that, or the daily show. So they have different criteria like that, that decides that for creator and for these mainstream sources. So it's, it's almost like the, even if you have a very similar show, you're not getting favored. So the fact that YouTube is deciding that is, I don't know. Yeah. And the fact that they're, and, and, and based on the advertisers, advertisers are now scared to be on this creator, but not on the daily show where you're getting very similar content. I think that's not fair to the to the creator. As an advertiser, though, you, you have more chance of, of getting the right eyeballs in the traditional advertising sense with something like the late the late show or whatever. So, mm-hmm. right. Versus trying to get down and nitty gritty into who your person is. And right. So as a traditional advertising uh, problem, you want more eyeballs and the people who are advertising on those big shows are people with more advertising budgets. So there's a big difference between me as an advertiser creating content that I want to display to my 
ideal avatar versus big name advertisers with big budgets who are just trying to splash their name across the world. It's very different of a conversation for who you're talking to. And of course, YouTube likes those big named advertisers. Budgets. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, that's a good point. We are glad to get your perspective on it because, um, you know. In the industry report that was, that's still out there, it was out there now, what, three weeks, something like that, three, four weeks. Um, yeah. The industry report that we put out annually, uh, 71% of marketers said they plan on increasing their use of YouTube video and 75% want to learn more about marketing on that platform. So as creators, as marketers on YouTube, what would you say if, you know, I mean, basically we're, we're going with the assumption that yes, this report is true, trending much more difficult for us as lower numbered uh, accounts, whatever you want to call it, uh, marketers, YouTubers, YouTube creators, it's much less likely that we're going to show up in trending. So what then mm-hmm. yeah. is, what then should be our target in terms of the, the, the value that we're going to get out of creating content for YouTube? Well, so YouTube has a lot of things that they're working on in the back end that's going to make it easier for people with bigger audiences. So, so things like overlays where you can gather leads on your video and not leave or buy T-shirts from your store over the video and never leave the video. So they're working on different things like that that'll be overlaid on top of YouTube. And that's going to really allow creators that have bigger audiences than even these mainstream shows to take advantage of, not take advantage of their audience, but um, get access to their audience to do things to fund their show without the advertisers. Uh, And I think that's going to be the key for creators is just not relying on the advertisers, because if if a creator says one wrong thing, they're demonetized, whereas a mainstream show isn't. So they have to figure out how to think outside the box. So if YouTube's willing to put these tools out to help them do that, I think that's going to be a good thing for the creators. And outside of that, obviously, we have the power to show up in the search, right? If we're if we're doing the right kind of content as marketers. And then, of course, the ads themselves. Like, uh, I did an expert training session that we're releasing to our uh, Create Live membership uh, tomorrow, actually, about YouTube ads from uh, one of our students who runs a marketing agency using YouTube ads. And man, the information that he gave was just incredibly powerful from an advertiser's perspective, uh, which none of us take advantage of like we should. Right. And so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of unfilled space with YouTube, he said, um, with YouTube ads or Google ads in general. Uh, And then the way you can target your ideal audience. I mean, he went through detailed and, and showed us how you can really target into the right audience and create custom ads specifically for this particular audience. Um, And if you have like three avatars, you can create three different ads for those specific people. And I mean, it's just, it's actually very incredibly powerful. And from a marketer's perspective, we're not taking advantage of YouTube like we could in addition to all of the search searchable content that we should be creating as well. That's because everybody's still focused on Facebook ads so heavily. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and we talked about some of the falterings of that last week. Yeah. Tune in that show if you want to get more on that. Let's roll into the one final piece of news that we have in your segment here, which is something actually, Luria, that we talked to you about already when it came out yeah. on Paris. 
Periscope, and now it's coming out on Twitter, which I got to say, I'm still confused like crazy about the fact that yeah. they basically have one and now another that's powered by the other one. It, it's that whole, it's, it's actually like the, it's the IGTV thing all over again, where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we yeah. got here and here and they're together, yet they're separate. And what? So at the end of the day, they're both Periscope. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, it is. Yeah. So let's 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 just tell our listeners what the news is. So Twitter mobile users can now start a live broadcast. So they're on live. Right. And they can bring on and they can start this within the mobile app and they can invite up to three guests to join them on an audio only basis. And this feature is available on iOS and Android. And this is literally the same thing they rolled out to Periscope three months ago in February. Right. Or January. I guess whatever. Anyway, it's the same. Go yeah. on. Well, the fact that it's on Periscope, I'm glad that they bring them on audio only at first because <laughs> the people the people that we usually get on Periscope, we wouldn't want to bring on live. I don't think. Oh, but well, it's so funny because I, I think I, I don't I don't know if this is for sure or not, but it's rumored that they're making it so that you as the get you as the host can see your guests on video, so you can interact with them, do the eye contact, whatever. But everyone else still sees them as audio. I don't know if that's yeah. for real happening, but I thought that was funny. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I know, David, you have a stat that you could share with us, but you guys, you yeah. teach about live video and live streaming. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, like, what percentage can you estimate of your students are using Periscope versus the other live video platforms? One percent. Oh. At, at the max. Probably at max. We have a couple of students who use it um, and use it effectively. There are some people using Periscope effectively or Twitter Live or whatever we're calling it. I don't even think to answer your earlier question that even Twitter knows what they're doing with it. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't like to, to say that, but I don't get the impression that they really know how to integrate uh, Periscope and Twitter Live. But Well, and I um, just want to show you something here. For yeah. This is from Dustin Stout's website. You guys know Dustin. Dustin is awesome. Um, he does uh, social media statistics every year. And so if you look at these stats, um, based on uh, users and everything, if you scroll down here past WhatsApp, even past G+, okay, which just died, <laughs> past Twitter, past Snapchat, Reddit, LinkedIn, Periscope, Tumblr. Even Tumblr. Tumblr and then you've got Periscope. In terms of like registered users, daily users and stuff like that. Um, So, you know, you're, you're looking at something that is basically the bottom of the social media barrel. Yeah. But, and and the thing is like, we used to, used to do Periscope. We would stream to three places. Periscope was one of them. Uh, And we just always got really bad, like negative. It was worse than some, like, like you can get negative comments on Twitch and Mixer, like gaming channels. This was like a new level of low. Um, trolls, yeah, and so especially for women, yeah, like women and Periscope don't often mix, uh, very well unless you're going for that kind of thing. Um, but it is a very bad experience for most women on Periscope because of the troll factor and the lack of moderation tools. That's the key Mm. is the fact that you don't have moderation tools the way you should. You have to moderate, you can't assign an admin or an assistant or moderators to your account to be able to do that the way the moderation tools work are just not effective or efficient so that's that it's, it's at its core if we had moderation right. it wouldn't be so bad right. and but I it's think- also the twitter audience in general is kind of 
more negative or yeah. goes goes there really quickly, as we saw with the Microsoft AI experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> that bleeds over into Periscope and Twitter Live. Well, and I think the only re- the only reason Periscope hasn't gone way of Meerkat is because it's Twitter. Yeah, you know, so if they if they didn't have Twitter there, I think Periscope would already be gone. Yeah, if it was its own thing. Yes. So it's a very small percentage of people who are using it at the end of the day. If you there ever want to see some people doing it effectively for for most people, they're not right. getting effective. And that was very, that, that was a very unsatisfying experience. So I have to say I like video better. <laughs> well, it depends on who you have on because that, that's what I was getting at when I, I, there was a couple of times when I was doing trainings uh, and uh-huh. I opened it up for anybody to come on camera and I remember this one time this guy came on and as soon as he came on, he's laying in a bed sideways with no shirt on. And he's yeah. like, hi. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I'm I, like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. Anytime I bring people on video, like I do, I do Instagram live videos and I'll bring yeah. people on and, and just let the guests chat or ask questions or whatever. And, but every time I do that, I always say pants are required. <laughs> and I make, I make a joke out of it, right? But like any time that's true of any time you have a video guest that you haven't pre-qualified or anything yeah. like that, right? So you should do the same on Instagram because it could happen. It's just yeah. more likely to happen on Periscope or Twitter Live. See, I don't even know whether to say Periscope or Twitter Live. <laughs> pre-qualify your guests. <laughs> or make a joke out of it and yeah, take the risk. You know, Jasmine Starr had the same advice. She was on Mike's podcast recently talking about IGTV and her, her process for, and she talked about her rules for inviting yeah. someone on. And I can't quite remember. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to quote it because I don't want to misquote it, but they were, they were awesome. But it was, it was stuff like you get on there, you get one question, you take up this much time. If you spend, you know, it was just very cool. Yeah. So, and it's a, it's a good rule of thumb to use whatever you're doing in your audience in terms of training your audience of what to do when XYZ happens, right? Especially live video, but like having rules and making sure you're, you're stating them not once, not just at the beginning, but often throughout the conversation. Every time you're about to bring somebody on, you restate those rules, you make it fun. I'm Jasmine does it really well. Right. So like you, you have to train your audience in terms of those kinds of rules, especially on live video, but anywhere. Now, I mean, on typical live video, they're not giving you audio only guests. This is the only place that they're kind of allowing that. It's either text-based questions that you see and are replying to, or like this, we have guests and you can see them and interact with them, et cetera. Do you feel like this missing middle piece is important or does it matter or not? I don't know. I I think actually it's going to be, it could actually be a better experience for the viewers because what happens a lot of times when you're interviewing somebody is once you get the bandwidth of two coming in, like their, their video could be pixelated and and look bad where so that way your audio generally goes through pretty well, right? uh, Because audio is not much information going through the pipes. So it'd be a better experience for the viewers to hear that rather than seeing somebody like, Oh, can you hear me? Oh, uh, you're breaking up. Your, your video looks choppy. Can you move into a better sitting? You know what I mean? So you're going to have less things like that. Yeah. You don't have to worry about if they're lit, if they're in a good place or whatever. And, and then there is the fear factor of people joining. Um, even though we teach live video, like half the people don't want to join us because they're scared of, of camera. Um, and so it, it provides 
many benefits, but I don't think it's a desired feature from anyone. And so maybe, maybe if Periscope or Twitter Live did it really successfully, then it would become a desired feature. But even Facebook killed off their audio only feature uh, for live video. So give us editing tweets first and then <laughs> video without audio. Well said. Or with well, audio. I agree. I concur. Oh. I concur. Well, David, Luria, it's been great talking with you as usual. I'm glad we didn't lose you. Um, I would <laughs> to uh, have you one more time give the URL for where people can find you on live streaming pros as well as yeah. create. Yeah. So uh, we're at livestreamingpros.com where we offer training and we're live on social Twitter, YouTube um, every three days a week. Did I say Twitter? Yeah, you did. (laughs) Facebook and YouTube three days a week Um, (laughs) and our, our uh, community. So we've built out create live uh, CRE eight live.com where it is the community for live streamers. We wanted to, to build a place that isn't just about us, but offers a place for different communities, different influencers to come to, to train on live video, but to coach, but to be a community and a true community outside of the Facebook and YouTube algorithms. So yeah, uh, no algorithms on our side. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Just humans. Nice. Yep, just humans. humans. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here as usual. Thank you. Be back soon and talk with you soon again. Uh, thank you very much. See ya. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Bye, guys. All right. Great to talk with them. That was fun. That was fun. I I do want to give this disclaimer. I had a lot of fun. Jeff C and I did have a lot of fun hanging out with them in San Diego for Social Media Marketing World because they were the ones that were putting on the live stage uh, broadcast, the feed there. So we spent a Mm -hmm. lot of time them and so i miss you guys good to talk with you again but anyway <laughs> bye we have a couple blurbs we have a couple blurbs speaking of twitter twitter is hiring a tweeter in chief so this is an actual job their job will be to run the at twitter account so you can read the full job description on twitter's career site san francisco chronicle did a great write-up on it to highlight some of the bigger points and uh their job is to spark conversation and highlight what unites us uh making the platform and world feel like a little smaller so i think take that to mean that they'll be anytime anyone tweets at twitter about twitter they will be the ones handling it uh, they, they're going to be setting up editorial guidelines, leading the team of incredible community managers and every day reacting to culture as it happens. And the main most important skill for this job is you have to be fun. You better be, because if you're the person behind the at Twitter account, taking the complaints from Twitter people themselves on Twitter, you better be fun. That's all you're never, about that. You're never sleeping again. No. <laughs> So uh, in other news, Facebook is developing a shake to report feature. So when you're super frustrated with Facebook on your phone, you just shake your phone <laughs> and it will say, would you like to report an error basically? And <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a better way to instigate a, you know, submitting a report to Facebook about their app than to, it's like, oh, and it pops up and it's like, would you like to report an error? Yeah. Oh, how'd you know? Like <laughs> natural sense that you would shake it in the accelerometer, accelerometer, accelerometer. Uh, yeah, this guy's not happy with your app. So 
So this is an opt-in feature on iOS now, and they're going to make it a default on iOS and Android. But Eric, is the shaking to report thing a thing now? Is that something that's happening? I don't know. Because there was another app I was on yesterday. I think it was like some sort of it was it was a local coffee chain or whatever. And I I got on their app to get the points or whatever. And there was something on there where you had to like shake to do something. I think it was like shake to find the nearest location. I was like, is this a thing? Like, is this is this another way to like break your phone and have to buy a new one? I I don't think we should be shaking other than to like uh, even when I shake and it does the would you like to undo typing? I'm like, no, I just accidentally shook my hand. Sorry. Anyway, that that's something they're developing and it's it is out there. Uh what was it? Optian on iOS now, a default setting for both iOS and Android. So I and- thought that was a prank when I read that. I was like, okay, whatever. April Fools. <laughs> last, last then- piece of news. Yeah. News. That news from Snapchat. Yes. So Snapchat's continuing to uh add music licensing to its platform. And uh, this is unconfirmed, by the way, but it was reported by the, the Wall Street Journal. And, and essentially, Snap, uh, again, where they excel is doing content on there and the, the faces, the filters and all that, but now adding in music. So Snap reportedly is, is seeking to add more music catalogs of Universal, Sony, Warner, to be able to use that inside of things. And the speculation is this is, you know, for them, this is them looking to compete with TikTok and Facebook has been already doing this for a while. Oh, yeah. You know, we'll keep our eye on this space. I think this is just an ease of use and to help protect artists and as well as people that are uploading. And I mean, music is already on there anyway. When people are uploading stuff, there music's already on there. But this is just something to ease the, the legal issues, which I am nowhere near qualified to talk about. So <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Neither am I. So for that matter, let's just say that's our show. Thank you so much for being here. Again, everything we talked about, details, links, breakdown, everything you want to dive into will be in the social media marketing talk show recap that comes out every Saturday on Social Media Examiner, which you can find at socialmediaexaminer.com slash news. By the way, this is an audio podcast as well, if you're not already listening to it as an audio podcast right now, in which case it's really redundant for me to say so. But if you join us live, You can get this as an audio podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Every episode comes out on Monday. Vice versa, you can get this on your calendar and join us when we record next week live by going to socialmediaexaminer.com slash live show. And I want to say special thanks to Grace Duffy, our show producer and a great co-host. Thank you, Eric, for being a great host and for Jeff C., who for handling our simulcast week after week. And a special thank you again to Loria and David for being our guests. It was an awesome, awesome conversation. I learned a lot. We, we did some turns and twists and turns. I didn't think we'd go down and I'm I'm happy for it. I'm better for it. <laughs> so until next week's show, have a great weekend. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode. Bye, everyone. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.